At The Home Depot, we're dedicated to helping you build the skills that get your home projects done right. That's why we offer free and interactive online DIY workshops. During the live streams, our knowledgeable associates help you tackle your DIY projects no matter your age or skill level. You can learn how to install new single pole switches as well as standard duplex and GFCI outlets. Register for free at homedepot.com slash workshops. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. This week's major spoilers podcast goes out to Ray Blakeney, the great, great, great grandson of Sir Percival Blakeney, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Just got back into comics. Love the site, says Ray. Big fan of the major spoilers and critical hit podcasts. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your shout out. Sir Percival will keep your secret. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue... Count Floyd's 3D House of Slave Chicks. Ooh, scary stuff, kids. And Riverdale has its first outing, and miraculously, it's not Reggie Mantle. The new new Terra has a really old brain, plus there are old comics and bold comics, but very few old, bold comics. And Schleicher loves bad puns, plus Sim Sim Salabim and all that jazz. Strangers from distant lands, friends of old, you've been summoned here to answer the threat. Of Mordor, Middle-earth stands on the brink of destruction. You will unite, or you will fall. And one of you apparently used to try and sell me Frosted Flakes. Also, does you just read them, or does you stick them in a refrigerated locker for future usage? You may bag, and you may board, and you may just stick them in a cardboard box. And you may find yourself living in a shotgun shack. And you may find yourself in another part of the world. And you may find yourself behind the wheel of a large automobile. And you may find yourself with a beautiful house and a beautiful wife. And you may ask yourself, is the Major Spoilers podcast on the air? Well, how did I get here? Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. So glad to have you here this week, episode 196. 196. Episodes Isn't away. That oh, Rey Mysterio's that's like move? two weeks from now, we'll be like at 200. That's kind of scary. Whoa. We may have to do uh, episode 203 or something, because I guarantee you these next couple of weeks are going to be insane yeah. to do any kind of real prep work for a live show. No, so. we could do. We could just go on hiatus for two weeks. Come back and have a huge 200 episode extravaganza. Mm, and no, then after episode so. 200, we can start over at uh, episode one yeah, there and you call go. it volume two. There you go. That'll really make sense. I really hey, love it though, of when Ray hits sense. the 196 off the ropes. It's just awesome. Speaking of things not making sense, let's take a look at our news this week and see what kind of craziness is going on <laughs> in the comic book world. First, we have Shadowland, a brand new series, a five-issue miniseries announced by Marvel Comics, uh, featuring Daredevil after he has taken over the hand. There's also <laughs> a bunch of 3D movies, Whoa. movies that you may not even think are 3D movies Whoa. are getting the 3D treatment. Is that a good idea or a bad idea? Archie, this week, unveiled the first openly gay character. And I was going to say Jughead, but it was not him. Mm-hmm. He does not care for the ladies. Those are our three crazy stories that we picked out of the uh, myriad of stories going up on the Majorspoilers.com website. Let's spin that Wheel of Destiny, and let's see where we land. 
And may I say that I particularly liked your correct use of the word myriad in your suicide note. All right, uh, Archie Comics' first openly gay character. This is from the press release that uh, that Archie sent, or the Archie Comics people sent out. His name is Kevin, and he will Kevin Keller, and he will debut in the September first issue of Veronica number two hundred two as the first openly gay character welcomed into the town of Riverdale. Wasn't uh, that the name of the kid from the Wonder Years, Kevin no, Keller? No, no, no. no. What was his Arnold, name? Arnold, Kevin Arnold. Yeah, Kevin Arnold. Oh, my bad. The, uh, they say here in a quote, the introduction of Kevin is just about keeping the world of Archie Comics current and inclusive. Archie's hometown of Riverdale has always uh, been a safe world for everyone. It just makes sense to have an openly gay character in Archie Comic Books, stated Archie Comics co-editor, CEO, I'm sorry, co-CEO, John Goldwater. Boy, this sparked a whole lot of anti-gay and pro-gay bashing left and right across the entard webs. Mm. Uh-huh. Rodrigo, what do you think lot. of uh, this announcement? Um, I'm a little surprised. Really? Why? But mostly at all the uh, all the stuff that it sparked. I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, back in the 80s when gay people were invented, um, what? <laughs> it, it, it would have been a big deal if Archie had had an openly gay character 10 years ago, you know, or 20 years ago. I think it would have been a big deal. But right now it just seems like... You know, there are gay characters in lots of TV shows. There are right. gay characters in lots of comic books. And it, like, why does, does there have to be a big deal about there being an openly gay character? Well, let me ask you this, Matthew. Yes, sir. Do you think that Archie is going to make a big deal over the openly gay character? Or are we going to see him appear in Veronica 202 and they're going to say, well, I'm openly gay and that's why I'm not interested in Veronica. And then that's going to play out to Jughead's little uh, evil scheme of making Veronica think that uh, that Kevin is actually available. And then he'll just continually reappear. Um, what is the other guy's name? Um, Dilton? Maybe that's who I'm thinking about. Uh, you know, they, they have a myriad of different characters in the Archie universe now that span different races and different cultures. And mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, there's the Asian girl walking through the shot or having a conversation, and yeah. that's, that's, that's that. That's it. You know, I... Archie has tried to shake things up recently with the uh, Archie kissing. Oh, um, uh, what's her the name? Melody. Girl. Melody from uh, Melody uh, from the from, from the, the Pussycats. Pussycats. Yeah, from Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, big deal. Not, no, no, not Melody. Is it? Yeah, no, it's Melody Val. is the Val, Valerie is the uh, yeah the bass player. Melody's the ditzy uh, yeah, drum. What do you think, Matthew? Is this just going to be a one shot thing, and then that's going to kind of just taper off to where you see Kevin, and it's like, oh yeah, he's gay. Okay, moving on. Well, I haven't read Archie comics regularly in a long time. Occasionally I'll pick one up when I'm in line at the grocery store. But I will tell you this. It's, it's a nice step. It's, I think what it is, is it's an overt, you know, it, and it is a public mention, but it's an overt moment to say, you know, we are now accepting. We accept you, Google Gobble. But more than that, it's a point where it, it, I think it was like 1973 or 1974. When they introduce Chuck. Right. And Chuck, of course, is Riverdale's first named African-American student. Right. And Chuck was kind of a big deal at the time. And Chuck is now, you know, he's like Moose. He's like Big Ethel. He's like, you know, uh, Jughead's little sister. These are all pieces of that whole Riverdale thing that, you know, it's not important how often Kevin shows up. 
I think Kevin's importance is going to be limited. I mean, it's, it's Archie comics. It's a, it is a comic book character coming out as gay. So as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not going to be something that is life changing, but it could be life affirming. If you're, you know, if let's say you're reading Archie comics, you're a young gay kid and you see this and you're like, Oh, look, it's Archie. You know, I think the statement that's being made is one of, we are, you know, we are now going to be tolerant. It's not that they weren't before, but we are now going to say, here's this character and he's just another kid in our, in our greater pastiche, in our greater, you know, whatever you call it. He's one of the people in Riverdale and that's cool. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, as far as I, I could care less if they have a gay character or yeah. not that I. Uh, on account of not reading Archie at all. <laughs> well, not that it's not, well, not reading Archie because I think it's fascinating. I'm really interested in going back when they collect the, um, the Archie marriage issues, you know, that'll mm-hmm. be kind of interesting. Yeah, that's to go really, through. I find that really weird. Why? The the whole like it was all a it was all a what if kind yeah. of dream kind of thing. I still find he woke it really up in the shower with Betty at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um. But you know, I you know, so they have an African American, so they have an Asian, so they have a a gay character. It doesn't really big deal. We ha- we encounter these people all the time, and I don't um, think a big deal but, needs to be made out of but it. But that's I, I that's, that's exactly the point. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's fine, and it's. Yeah. I don't think it's really worth all the controversy that people are I, getting I all guess, bent out of shape over. I guess really what it comes down to is how is he treated within the series? Because right. this is Archie Comics saying, we have a gay character, and if inside the series the characters are like, you are a gay? What is that like? Yeah, we yeah. have <laughs> never encountered such a thing as you. Then yeah. it's kind of a problem, but if they're just accepting of it. Right. Or if they bounce to one stereotype extreme or the other, right, that right, would exactly. be a problem. But as long as they treat the character as just a normal everyday person, I don't think there's going to yeah. be a problem. And, and I think there's also, you know, there's the Joe Quesada argument that you have to look at. When they introduced about five years ago a character called Freedom Ring in the Marvel Universe, and the whole point of Freedom Ring was not, here's an openly gay character. It was, here's a guy who's completely unsuitable and will make a horrible superhero and will die at the end of the arc by design because he's a horrible superhero. But because they made him gay, there was some outcry about it. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was as if people were saying, well, you're saying that gay people will make terrible superheroes. <laughs> no, we're saying that this character is a terrible superhero who was gay. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it, the thing about Archie, and I don't want this to sound condescending, but it probably will. An Archie comic is kind of like a warm blanket to me. When I read an Archie comic, it's kind of, it's comforting. It's, you know, it's this little Midwestern town and wacky hijinks, and you aren't going to ever have, like, a gangland shooting in Archie. You aren't ever going to have, like, people falling out of buildings in Archie. You're not going to have terrorist attacks in downtown Riverdale. Well, actually, it you might want to check out uh, Archie, what is it, Archie Super Spy or something, some oh, upcoming yeah. issue. The man <laughs> from Riverdale. Yes, the man from Riverdale. And don't forget the Punisher did come to town once looking for Archie. Wow. Yeah, it was, a, and he didn't shoot anybody oh, in the entire issue. That's I own it. Uh, it's a good retro review topic. Thanks for bringing that there up. There you Almost. go. That's not on the list. But more importantly, I think that if whatever happens with Kevin, and odds are he's not going, it's not going to be like Betty and Veronica and Kevin. It's not going to be like Archie and Kevin. He's going to be part of that large ensemble cast. But I think in Riverdale, regardless of how they handle it, it's one of those things where it's just going to be like, okay. This is your little Midwestern town, whatever. 
And they are now admitting that this happens. Whoever is creating this book may not live in a Midwestern town, but they are saying this is something that happens even in small Midwestern towns. And worst case scenario, they're erring on the side of caution. You know, they've created this character who may be an utter saint who just walks around and gives fashion advice. But they've they've created the character, whether it was for a noble purpose or not. And I don't know that any character has a direct purpose. It's nice to see. Yep. I And then, agree. of course, if he turns out to be, you know, this, I think it would be funny if he turns out to be this catty, evil person who's trying to do what <laughs> Reggie does, only to get Archie. <laughs> Playing Betty and Veronica against each other so that he, Archie will finally give up on girls so that Kevin can have Archie all to himself. That'd be an arc that I would probably read. Okay. Well, listeners, you can head over to Majorspoilers.com. You can find this new story and hundreds of thousands of others just by pointing your browser to Majorspoilers.com. Uh, before we get out of the news segment, one more reminder. Got to put this reminder out there for everybody. Saturday, right. May 1st, free comic book day. Yay! Where publishers have, well... Gone, I guess, into their heart, maybe. It's a great promotion thing mm -hmm. no. where you say, here are a bunch of comics that you can give away for free and hopes that it's going to bring people into your store and in hopes that they will get hooked on the little smack that we call comic books. Mm -hmm. And maybe while they're there, buy additional comic books while they are at it. Exactly. I think it's a great thing. If you're looking for a comic book store, I've been on Twitter all day kind of promoting this. Uh, just go for twitter.com slash major spoilers and people are asking well when is free comic book day I'm surprised more people don't know about this um, in this Sunday's paper we had a little circular from Hastings which is a local bookstore a regional bookstore I guess uh -huh. and they actually have a free comic book day ad in there that yeah. says come in 10 comics per customer and I think between my wife, son, and I, we're going to pick up 30 free comics. Nice. Now, Hastings isn't going to have the whole well, large they, they collection. They don't have I think a lot of selection, the, so I don't know that they're going to have 30 gonna, comics that you can I think grab. they're going to have the gold and silver uh -huh. tier. They're not going to have the ones beneath that. But still, going to a comic book store and picking them up is going to be a great thing. If you're looking for a comic book store in your area, and I know that there are a lot of major spoilerites who listen to this show who don't have one nearby, you can call the comic shop locator at one eight 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 comic book one eight 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 comic book and it'll tell you where um where there's a comic book shop in your area if it's registered and listed. Mm -hmm. So check and it out. Do Matthew? not dial cosmic boobs. That's entirely <laughs> different. Matthew, do you um, like free comic book day? Can I tell you a secret about free comic book day? Well it's not entirely free because you gotta pay like what twenty cents or something on, on the dollar for every comic. It's book. not free to the retailer, but I think it's a great thing to get people in. I would like to see more people coming back after Free Comic Book Day. Right. But I think it's a good way to get people in the store, and it's a good way to get people's attention. Yeah. And that uh, is kind of almost perfect from the follow-up from last week, uh, last Saturday show, where Matthew and I and Rodrigo— Maybe they should advertise Free Comic Book Day at the end of Smallville. Maybe they should. You know, <laughs> I think actually one year— one year, and I don't know if it was Smallville, but it was on maybe Cartoon Network or something, there was actually an advertisement for Free Com Comic Book Day. They, so uh, honestly, if you if you're if you own a comic store and you um and, and you want to advertise and stuff, f because Free Comic Book Day is an event, 
you can sneak it in. You can send a press release to your local news, and they might do a story on Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. Especially if they don't realize that this is a yearly event. Yeah, yeah, They're like, yeah. oh, it's They're a, giving away free like, comic books. A local store is giving away free products. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't like the story stores. Story at 11. Now, Matthew, how does your store run it? Do you guys actually give the comics away for free? Or well, yeah. You, I believe last year we had a limit of four per color okay. per customer. I've been to some stores where it's like buy ten dollars worth of product and get your selection of one of the free comic Seriously? books. Yeah, I was kind of turned off well, by uh, that. But then no, I like when good. I go into Hastings, it's like here's the whole rack, and I'm just like grab, 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 and I go up to the checkout counter. She's like, "All right, have fun." Last last time I was actually in town because I think last year I missed Free Comic Book Day because I was off on a shoot somewhere. Yeah, last time I, I was in town, Hot Wheels or something for yeah. And by uh, on a shoot, Rodrigo is revealing that he is in fact a global assassin. That's right, <laughs> um, international man of mystery, um, Rodrigo. It, it was funny because the only single issues of a DC comic that is not a Vertigo comic currently in my house came from Free Comic Book oh, Day. Okay. So there you go. That's that's already one one example of Free Comic Book Day being a good thing because it's, you know, it got me to pick up a DC comic. Where'd you get Blackest Night? I got the Lightning Saga oh, yeah. and just Lightning. a couple other things that they had going on. All right, and cool. I picked up the same issue of Project Superpowers twice because it, it had like... Oh, the reverse cover. Yeah, like yeah. the reverse cover, so I thought it was two different ones. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, everybody go check it out and have a lot of fun at your comic book store. And please tell the retailer thank you yes. for participating in Free Comic Book Day this this Saturday. And by, me, by tell May them, 1st. we mean buy something. Well, to go also tell them. Actually, Physically yes, tell them. Good. Say thank you for being a participant in this. Yes. Uh, also, uh, next Saturday, not this upcoming Saturday, the Saturday after that will be uh, Noir Saturday. As Rodrigo, Matthew, and I sit down and take a look at two books in our The Other Book of the Month uh, Club. Uh, the titles for February and April, The Chinatown Death Cloud Peril and The Maltese Falcon. We'll be talking about both of those books in a week and a half from now. Uh, hey, last week I mentioned we were going to have 4 million people on the site. Uh-huh. We hit that way earlier than I thought. Nice. So Our 4, four millionth visitor was a man named Weldon. Yeah. From No, actually, this is true. He is from South Dakota. We appreciate him. He actually has a prize in the mail, and by a prize, I mean chicken. But... Never mind. I I was going somewhere with that. Steve <laughs> gave me a look in the camera, so I'm just going to move on. All right. Also, check this out. A couple of weeks ago on the show, we were talking about Matthew discovering a Flash 150 from the Silver Age. No, of, 105. 105. I'm sorry. I get those two transposed. Um, very you fascinating. You have he also, he also gets the word confused and transposed transposed. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so Matthew and we were talking about that. Did you guys ever put? Have you gotten that back yet? I wanted to do a quick follow up on that. Uh-huh. You received that back from the CGC. Uh huh. What did they grade it as? Uh, the 105 was a 5.0. Ooh, cool, nice. Um, and what it, is it worth? Well, define worth. How much can Looking, you sell it for on the eBay? What does the Overstreet say? All of that good stuff. Raw Overstreet Guide has four digits and a one in the first point. Cool. I bet you guys are pretty happy about that. The showcase number eight is a 7.0. Oh, cool. It it is a little more expensive, still four digits, probably with a four in the first slot. Now, remember, a lot of times when you look at a CGC book, people will pay more for a graded CGC book. Oh, yeah, because it's already slabbed and there's not going to be further damage and all that other good stuff. Wolverine number one, for instance, sells for about 30 to 100 bucks. 
in cool. really good condition. A slab copy, um, I think it was a 9.6, went for like $700. Ah, very cool. So, you know, it's something to where, yeah, it was it was a good buy. Uh, Dion's very happy. I'm sure he is. It's going to keep the store open for another year. Oh, right? no, no, no. We're not at that point. Oh, okay. That, well, I, be- I believe his exact words to me. I'm like, hey, what'd you do with those? He's like... Safe deposit box. <laughs> nice. Good, good idea. Well, listeners, Beyond if you want to, if you want to find out how Matthew kind of looks at and grades comics himself inside the store, he wrote a really great article this week up on Major Spoilers called "Tales from the Cave: The Back Issue Bonanza," and he goes down and breaks down some of the other comics that came in in that collection. Talks about some of the problems that he found with them. And for those of you that are trying to grade comics and trying to get a feel for how a comic book store might grade them or a dealer might grade them, uh, he gives a really good breakdown of some of the problems that you f- you find with some of these comics and also gives his estimate of what kind of a grade he would put it on. He doesn't give pricing, but it's something that at least it's uh, that you can check it out. So I would encourage you to head over to MajorSpoilers.com. If you look closely on a few of the images, you can actually see my pricing, though. I just realized that. Well, I nice. saw the yeah, I like this. I didn't know if that Action Comics one was actually your price or if it was a previous price on there, like 45 bucks or whatever it is. The pricing that, that are all the pricing, those are fresh bags and boards. Oh, so okay. all the pricing that may show up in the image is my tentative initial pricing estimate. All right, cool. Very, very cool. You can. There's so much stuff over at Major Spoilers. We could go an entire show just talking about all the cool stuff. But we want you to head over there yourself. And post number 35723 is about Felicia Day. And Felicia Day is cute. And she goes like this. Anyway, we will be right back after this. How to get a Major Spoilers shout out. If you want to get a personalized shout out at the top of the show, all you have to do is the following steps. Number one, visit Majorspoilers.com. Two, click on the Make a Donation button. Three, donate $10 or more to the cause. Four, sit back and relax and hear Matthew butcher your name and say something cute about you. Major Spoilers, bringing the good stuff since 2006. All right, everybody, thank you so much for Contributing to the Major Spoilers Podcast, we appreciate each and every one of you who have donated to the show. You are all great people and part of the Major Spoilerite Nation, and we thank you. So after the news and after our little shout-outs there, Matthew, what time is it? Review. I change it up at the end so we don't get sued. Yeah, there you go. And it's so much better now that you uh, don't have your cold like you did last week to where you can oh. actually hit those high notes. You were enjoying the pain of <laughs> it my high kind notes. of funny. You were both laughing your butt off. It was kind of funny. (laughs) So, Matthew, what do you have for us this week in the review section? This week, I have a good news, bad news situation, actually. Um, I'm taking a look at Nova, number 36 from Marvel Comics. Good news is Nova has, for a long time, almost three years now, been one of the strongest books Marvel puts out. Bad news is it's going on hiatus for the duration of a giant big schmageggy crossover. Drink. Uh, Nova 36 opens with Richard Ryder. The last few issues, Richard has been trapped in some sort of weird time-space vortex with people who were dead. Black Bolt was there. His ex-girlfriend, Namorita, were there. And the Sphinx and the Sphinx from different time frames were trying to kill each other and gain ultimate power. He managed to get out of this time-space dimension thing and also managed to bring Namorita back from the dead. It's pretty awesome, actually. Namorita was blowed up in uh, Civil War, just to prove a point. Okay. Uh, Nova has returned to Earth. He ends up at Project Pegasus. And 
I don't remember how long ago it was. Do you remember when you put up the image about those evil Avengers from the alternate universe? No. It was sometime uh, like last September or October, but nothing ever really came of it that I knew of. It apparently came up during Realm of Kings, and one of the evil Avengers is on Earth. Evil Quasar, it has infiltrated Project Pegasus. So there's a big fighty-fighty, and it turns out that there's something in the void, in the in the outer space void, that was opened at the end of Realm of Kings that wants to eat the Earth. So Nova and his friends and Darkhawk and Namorita basically fighty-fighty, fighty-fighty, and they kill something that looks remarkably like Cthulhu's uglier brother. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get to the end of the issue. They've managed to kill the Cthulhu beast and thrown Quasar, fake Quasar, back into the void. It's actually kind of a kick-ass moment for Nova where this giant extra-dimensional horror comes in and he just powers up and literally shoots it in the face. Cool. Just hits it with the full power of the Nova Force. It dies horribly. And at the end of the issue, Nova gets a distress call from space, which I believe has something to do with the upcoming Thanos Imperative. For those of you who don't read Guardians of the Galaxy, Thanos is back from the dead. And it ends with this really great shot of Nova taking off into space at super speed. Tell them I am responding. Which is actually nice. So I've heard rumors, and you can't ever believe internet rumors, but I've heard rumors that Nova may not make it back from hiatus. I don't necessarily believe it. But this is actually, it's a done-in-one for me and that's a rarity and it's a very well established and well done done in one uh abnet and lanning dan abnet and andy lanning who long ago used to write the legion have been handling marvel's cosmic titles guardians of the galaxy nova and they've been giving this book a really great touch nova is kind of like wally west was 10 or 12 years ago he's a teen hero grown up and made good and he's so ungodly powerful that you almost shouldn't go, oh, well, you know, how is he going to win this one? But it, they always manage to make it seem very exciting. It's incredibly well-drawn. I'm not sure if the artist, Andrea DeVito, I'm not sure if that's a man or a woman. He and or she kicks ass on the art. Love the art. I love the redesign of Nova. I'm saddened that it's going on hiatus because I still haven't gotten over the hiatus that Iron Fist took mm-hmm. and and has yet to come back from. Iron Fist has been on hiatus for, long time. I want to say, nigh on a year I now. Was, I was going to ask you about that because I really want to get back into Iron Fist and read that, but yep. I was going to ask, are they even doing that anymore? Mm. So that's Well, they did the six-issue um, Immortal Weapons series, and I think that ended about, excuse me, I got the hiccups, about two or three months ago. Mm. Okay. I want to say. Well, he's going to be on Shadowlands. Yeah, he's going to be in Shadowlands, so I can go pick it up there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Power Man and Iron Fist reunited. Going back to your question earlier about the uh, Evil Avengers, Evil Assemble was when it was. It was uh, probably around the end of September of 2009, and it did, or I'm sorry, it did hit yeah. in November. First announced in September, Realm of Kings. Right. Is where it came See, out. I didn't, I didn't ever read any of those issues, so I hadn't heard anything about. You know, the denouement, if you will, of mm-hmm. those evil adventures. But it was nice as a callback for me, just having seen it on the site. All of a sudden, evil Quasar is there. And I'm like, I remember that. So definitely interesting. This is a four slice of meatloaf affair. This is a good issue. Strong art. The writing is strong. It goes from beginning to end. It hits all the major plot points. Most of the regular characters get a little beat. Right. The new guy, Philo, who's Nova's second in command over his Nova Centurions. Gets his moment. Now Marita gets a moment. 
You know, I love that they brought back Namorita at the same time that I hate constantly resurrecting characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But she's one of the characters that I wish they hadn't ever killed. Mm-hmm. So I guess, you know, I, I hate resurrection except when it directly benefits me <laughs> and I love. Well, everybody's, you know, everybody has a favorite thing. And as you are oft to say, uh, your yeah. mileage is going to vary. So precisely new warriors was one of my favorites to this day. I, Love my new warriors. So anything that gives the new warriors a little credence, I'm good with. That's the one where the baseball bat guy comes out. Oh, new warriors, come out and play. Is that <laughs> yeah? And they all about? they all wear a kabuki makeup and run through the streets. Yeah, that sounds like yeah. a cool comic book. All yeah, right. actually, four slices of meatloaf for uh, for Nova number thirty six. Nova that came out last week, correct? I believe that came out on the twenty first. Yes, sir. All right, I'll counter that with a DC Matthew. Uh, oh, I'll see your DC last. and raise you three dynamites in a boom. Well, we actually do have an independent coming up in just a moment from Rodrigo. So nice. we'll check in with that. This week uh, for me, Power Girl number 11, The War on Terra. Ha ha ha, pun. I love puns. Waka waka. Uh, yeah, Justin Gray, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Amanda Connor, in my opinion, can do no wrong with, uh, with Power Girl. The story is tight and it's quick. The writing, the dialogue is snappy and has some great one-liners and some great comedy in there. And then, of course, Amanda Connor art. My goodness, if I could just buy every single page of every Power Girl that she's ever drawn, I would be <laughs> a happy, happy guy. Just because her character, they're cute, they're funny, they're sexy. Um, and that goes for whether it is a, a furry animal, that goes for whether it's a, a female or a male character. They all fit into that vein, just superbly well-drawn. Mm-hmm. You find the ultra humanite sexy? In a in a way, he knows it, what it's like to be a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so it was revealed at the end of issue ten that Terra, not uh, the Terra from uh, the old Teen Titan series, but the new Terra, uh, has had her bla- brain transplanted with the ultra humanite. So for several issues now, the ultra humanite has been residing in Terra's in Terra's body, and so he knows, or yeah, he knows. Well, it, he, uh, so confusing. It, uh, the ultra humanite. The ultra humanite like, knows all about, uh, Karen Starr's secret life, about working for the job, about, you know, the costume changes, all of that, and really thinks that she's very pathetic. And so they've just been, there's a lot of fighty, fighty, fighty in this issue as Power Girl tries to figure out a way to bring down Terra without really killing the body or damaging the body, uh, so that they can reverse the, the, um, the brain transplant. And very rarely, I mean, the nice thing about Power Girl, the series, is there's a lot of fighting and punching, but it's kind of done in almost a nonviolent way. The whole um, Sean Connery issue uh, yeah. the series that we had was very Bar talks. yeah, it was very well done. It was so funny and humorous that there's a point where, in order to find out where Tara's brain is, she needs to find Satana, which is the Ultra Humanites' doctor, girlfriend, whatever she is. And so <laughs> there's something going on, but I don't know what it is. And she D- has, does she talk like this? No, she doesn't. Uh, and she's also drawn very, very well. And so Power Girl finds out where she is, busts into her lair and says, where's Tara's brain? And then, of course, uh, Satana starts saying, well, 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 look who it is, blah, 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 blah. And then you turn the page and very rarely do I utter out anything mm-hmm. when I'm reading a, a comic. But I flip the page and the first thing out of my mouth, literally out of my mouth and loud is, Jesus Christ! <laughs> because we see Power Girl use her heat beams to slice off Satana's arm. Wow. And essentially, wow, that's hardcore. It, is, it really is a shock and a surprise to where uh, 
you know, now Satana is screaming and Power Girl's like, quit your ball in Satana. You can sew it back on. You're a doctor. Where is Tara's brain? And they find it in the old ultra-humanite body that's been burned uh, since uh, Tara's, or, uh, Power Girl's battle, battle with her. They go back down into the underground city where, uh, where, where Tara is from, and they're able to use Tara's brain. They can destroy the, uh, the, the old Tara body. They still have Tara's brain, so they can clone a new body for her and put her back right. Mm. They also, and I don't know, it's been, a, it's been an understanding for a long time that the ultra-humanite, the reason why he had to transplant his brain from body to body is because he had a degenerative uh, gene. Mm -hmm. And so these beings down in the Undercity um, are able to reclone a brand new body of the ultra-humanite. What's his name? Gerard or Jared? Um, I can't even remember what his name is. But they're able to clone him a brand new body that is free of that defect, so he doesn't have to transplant his body again. Um, I think it's Gerard is his name. And so there's a nice little conversation at the end where Power Girl is essentially saying, you know, I'm giving you a second chance. We're going to wipe your memory, so you're not going to have any memory of this. You'll still be ultra smart. Um, you know, try to do something better with your life. And in the closing panels, you see these panels getting smaller and smaller and smaller as she's walking away, and we close up in on his face, and he's like, why you be, I'm going to get, and you can just see his anger and rage building and boiling. So I don't think that we're going to see the end of the ultra-humanite, mm -hmm. but I am surprised that we deal with a major change in the ultra-humanite character in a book like Power Girl. Power Girl is not a huge seller. I mean, it's up there, mm -hmm. but it's not in the top 10 or the top 30 books that are sold out of DC in a given month. So to have a major character change like this, I think, is going to be shocking, especially if another writer decides to use the Ultra Humanite and thinking, oh, big white ape, and then somebody says, uh, 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 or if they'll even catch that. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. And then, of course, Satana is uh, the last panel of that is she's ready to bring the, uh, the hit back on Power Girl as she's sewn a uh, leopard hand arm back onto her body. So she's kind of going animalistic as well, so... Wow, it is a great issue. If you can get me to say Jesus Christ in a in a panel, then you know that's got to be good. Uh, yeah, this one, if it's worth blaspheming, you know it, it is. And uh, and man, that that's a good issue. I'm giving that four and a half slices of meatloaf. I yeah. would have given it a little bit of five, but I I really thought that that little bit of extreme violence was maybe it was it was worth it, but maybe a little uncalled for in yeah. this book. Mm -hmm. Of course, it moves the character along to now she has an animal arm, but uh, still four and a half slices of meatloaf. I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know what's going to happen when they bring the new creative team on. I'm very scared about that. Mm -hmm. We've got one more uh, Gray, Palmiotti, and, and Connor issue before we switch over to the new team with, uh, I think it's issue 13, so we'll see what happens. Rodrigo, over to you. You've got... Uh, that genie in the magic lamp story, don't you? That's right. Aladdin, Legacy of the Lost, number three, which is uh, the end of this arc. Um, it's kind of interesting. Like, uh, if, if you'll recall from my previous reviews... Um, right, it was following the story pretty closely. It was following the kind of the Disney movie pretty closely, right. and then it just kind of, like, flips over, kills half the cast... And embarks on this kind of, you know, an adventure that is sort of reminiscent of the Thousand and One Nights. Um, basically, half of this issue was the secret backstory of the bad guy and actually where the genies come from. Right. Which was it was very interesting. Again, not uh, it, it kind of dances around the 
sort of the the, the actual story of of the the jinns of of, mm-hmm. of ancient times. Um, and and I was actually surprised in that they actually mentioned God in it. Um, which is interesting because like the Christian God, yeah, like okay. you know the 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 Abrahamic God, we'll call him. Okay. Um, because the obviously in the Thousand and One Nights, there's a lot of Islam in it. Um, but in newer interpretations of it, that's something that you know because they want to maintain that fantastic aspect of it, bringing it to something that people would be able to say, oh, this. Why are they bringing, you know, obviously the the quickest uh, way in, why are they bringing Christianity into this? How can there be God and also awesome, right. you know, genies that shoot fire from their eyeballs, right? Right, right. Um, but in The Thousand and One Nights, it's all there. Um, so I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's it's kind of a risk. It's, it's something that is not um, something that could have pulled the reader out of it but is also itself a callback to the original source material which i thought was kind of cool is it told in a shahrazad type of of setting where we're um, recounting a tale or is this just... it is that that part is is actually recounting a tale the genie of the ring is basically telling aladdin okay what went down oh, okay all right um and in the end it comes down to a big fighty fight mm-hmm. um the genie of the ring versus the genie of the lamp um, Aladdin versus the big bad guy and Sinbad fighting a bunch of awesome griffin monsters. Oh, cool. Um, the only issue... Well, I have a, a couple small issues with this whole series is that um, Aladdin starts out as not a very sympathetic character, mm-hmm. but and this issue, all of a sudden, he randomly becomes a sympathetic character. Like, all of a sudden, he's no- noble and clever and... Mm-hmm. More than just kind of an acrobatic young thief who cares about nothing except himself. Right. Seemingly for no reason. Um, it's just, and not necessarily for no reason, but the change is very sharp. Sure, maybe he spent months at sea and has gotten to know Sinbad and now understands better the plight of the princess and, you know, that he's got to go out there and save her. Mm-hmm. But it, the the change seemed kind of sharp. Um, the art is really good. Yeah. Um it's very evocative um everything from you know the character faces are are almost photorealistic but they still maintain kind of this fantastic look to them to broad sprawling um you know uh, if you recall um the the big bad guy is basically flying around in a floating city right and then they get to like the city of the ancients which dwarves this floating city so you see a city floating into an even more gigantic mythical city. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so it's clever, it's interesting. Obviously, by this point, so far away from the source material that it doesn't even matter anymore. Um, but, you know, kind of really awesome in its own way. Um, I think overall for the whole series, I would give it four slices of meatloaf. This book, um, definitely three and a half at least probably has moments which it hits for um and they're setting it up like there might be some more after this so i'm guessing if sales turn out to be decent we might see some more of aladdin although again aladdin is kind of the least important part of the series i right. would i would be much more interested in in them take in them doing their own take on the rest of the thousand and one nights um especially because as we see simbad here he's already 
an established character. Right. Um, so maybe going back and seeing his adventures. And I don't know. Uh, these books are from... Radical pub- Publishing. Radical. Yeah. And the art, probably the reason why you like the art is it's done by... And I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's Stepan Sejic. Is that how you say it, Matthew? Sejic. I believe Sejic. so, yeah. Sejic or Sejic. Um, he is the artist on Witchblade. And mm-hmm. he's done a lot of, of art with uh, with Ron Mars and everybody over there at... Uh, at maybe Tom it's Sejic. <laughs> <laughs> Spin that wheel. Uh, so that's probably why you like the art a lot. So right. if you are a fan of his art and you're a fan of that Witchblade art style, uh, that's uh, Radical Comics or Rag- Radical Publishing. And I it's, think that is out last week, this week. It's it's definitely definitely something worth checking out. Um, right now, a lot of people, a lot of companies, especially the smaller companies, are going back and... Uh, doing their own thing with the Thousand and One Nights and with fairy tales and right, with right. the Brothers Grimm and yep. with Mother Goose and with whatever they can get their hands yep. on. Copyright free. Everything and, in the public domain. That's right. And not always in the most spectacular of ways. You know, sometimes it's like it's clear that they just wanted to get an already sta- established franchise and tell some other story. Right. And although that might be the case here, here they pull it off. Cool. So how many slices? Uh, we'll say four for the whole series. Wow, this week is really good. Four for the whole series? Yes. Excellent. So, not a bad week. Uh, Legacy of the Lost, Aladdin Legacy of the Lost number three, out this week from mm-hmm. Radical Publishing. So, go check that out. Of What nice. did you have, Matthew? You had a four? Or you, I had a four. I had a four and a half, and Rodrigo had a four. So. That's right. That's almost 13 are... slices of meatloaf, <laughs> which is the equivalent calories to two Big Macs. <laughs> it may very well be. Uh, okay, everybody, if you want to read some more reviews, if you like our reviews, you might like some of our other reviews. <laughs> What's over. wrong with you? <laughs> What's that? If you like our reviews, you might What's like some of the other reviews. Indeed. Uh, over at the Major Spoilers website, so many comics being reviewed on a daily basis. What has been your favorite review this week, Matthew? I'm the goddamn Skate Man. Oh, yes. Matthew did a retro review <laughs> of Skate Man. Very quickly, Matthew, oh, give oh, us Lord. a 30 second breakdown of Skate Man and why it is the worst comic ever published. <laughs> Billy Moon is a Vietnam veteran who comes back and learns martial arts and also learns how to skate and becomes a roller derby king wherein he kills his best friend by accident. His girlfriend gets slashed up on panel by bikers. He goes into a coma, then comes out of a coma and becomes a superhero. And I want to point this out. The man's a Vietnam veteran, a martial arts master, and he knows how to skate. If you have those three choices, <laughs> which is going to be your superhero identity, folks? <laughs> anyway, um, he then becomes Skate Man. And the real interesting thing about the book is how earnest it wants to be and how much it wants to push the envelope. And it just keeps coming back to one particular phrase. What the shit do you care, pig meat? That, That's actually <laughs> actually line used in that, the book. Good Lord. That is a direct quote from a 10-year-old character in the comic book, wow. mind you. I apologize for our adult tag. It has to be seen to be believed. The best part, I think, is the fact that it has no credits. So I don't even know who's responsible for this nice, thing. Nice. Alan Smith. It could be. It, it says Neil Adams Skate Man on the cover, but Neil Adams at one point had a whole stable of guys whose job was draw like Neil Adams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So I can't even guarantee that it's the real Neil Adams on art. I will say this. His mask uh-huh. is one of the most striking masks in superhero history. Mm-hmm. Really well done. 
And then the rest of his costume is a baby tee, short shorts, and a pair of quad skates with knee pads. Yeah. The only uh, thing that's missing is that big AMFM headset that we used to wear with a giant antenna swinging off the top. Well, the best part from the from the head up, he's a kick-ass superhero. From the neck down, he's a sonic car hop. <laughs> so, <laughs> you got that going for you, which is nice. And it contains some of the best dialogue ever, like "Haul ass, you make the difference." Awesome. So you can go check yeah. out that retro review, complete with some panels from the uh, from the issue over at Majorspoilers.com. Uh, it is truly wonderful, wonderful to be held. I don't know. It's obviously the worst comic ever, but you you say that there's some nostalgic reason to it's, get it. It's like it's like Plan Nine from yeah. Outer Space. It's it's so fascinating to look at this and and go. What the, but, uh, oh, I, oh, it's like watching Eddie Izzard do his joke about Engelbert Humperdinck dying. It shouldn't be good, but somehow they managed to sell it. And I didn't want to give it any stars, but apparently the system won't well, recognize. Originally, you had put things. in zero stars originally, and it showed up at one point was zero. Yeah, but then it didn't show up in the list of review stuff on oh, the on oh, okay. thing. Okay. So I had to add a star for it to show up as oh, a review. Okay. All you right. apparently cannot give it no star. I wanted to give it negative stars. I don't think it, I know it won't let you do that. So check yeah. out all these reviews and more, majorspoilers.com. In addition to all the reviews over at the site, we also do a little thing each week called the Major Spoilers Poll of the Week, 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 Week. Week, 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 week. For the millions in attendance and the 10,000 brand new people listening at home, it's time. Every week during this segment of the show, we pit one concept against another concept. It could be an all-out battle. It could be just, what do you like better? In some cases, it's just a slap fight as though we're all drunk on a Friday night. But it is the major spoilers. Poll of the week. I'm a lover, not a you fighter. In a world where <laughs> where poles are weak, okay. the late Don LaFontaine would have loved that. Okay, it's too bad he's dead. I've got like six hundred dollars. We'll just send it to him and say, "Can you say in a world?" <laughs> and we'll just keep that. Yeah. So I've been. I don't know. I, I guess as I go through some of the stats and some of the numbers that we get from surveys that we do on the sites and from surveys that other people do on the sites, and the fact that I'm really excited about, um the ipad yeah, i'm really excited about digital comics i'm really surprised <laughs> I that iPad. i'm just really surprised that there are a lot of people who are just like why would i want an ipad i i want to read my comics well you can read comics on the ipad but then it's like okay the question then became are people and this isn't the point of this question but this is my thinking which led me to this question are people avoiding the ipad because they want comics for collectability mm -hmm. or is there some other thing other reasons. So this week's poll I came up with is do readers, do the major spoiler right readers and listeners and whoever you may be around the world, uh, do you buy comic books just to read them and then you, you know, kind of set them aside? And really the last time we did a poll about bagging, boarding, or setting aside, 49% of the people bag and board. Mm -hmm. So over half the people then don't bag and board, but do they read it for collectability or do they just read it to read it? And then they don't really care what happens afterwards. I do have an analogy for you after we've gone through and checked on our votes. Okay. But I, th so let's go over that and remind me to ask you about that. Okay. Go ahead. You wanna, go ahead. I'm going to go first. first. All yep. right. This is an interesting one for me because when you look at it, 
There's actually a third option that should be up here as well, a comic both, book. But well, really no, I think the third option should be I'm going to wait for the trade because 80% of the comments on the site seem to be I'm going to wait for the trade. Right. We've asked but, that question before, and I do believe that that is about what it pulled out to yeah. be about 45% or so said that they would wait for the trade. From my perspective, if I was just looking at these two answers, are you a comic book reader or a comic book collector? Mm hmm. I actually had to choose collector, and I don't mean that in the I must I must bag Lucy right, Lawless right. and hang her between Doctor Who and the Yellow Submarine, but it, it to me the collecting process, the putting the bag on it, the you know going to a store and finding Neil Adams Skate Man in a back issue bin, sticking it in a bag and a board, the the whole grading process is part of my you know part of what I do with the comics. Right. It's part and parcel of what I enjoy about it. You know, going through and say, and you know, it's only recently that I've really been heavily looking and grading books. Mm -hmm. I do that mostly at work, so mm -hmm. it's professional. But I don't like it when my books don't have bags on them. Right. I don't. I don't like it when I have a box of books in the middle of the floor that isn't categorized and put with the other books of its ilk. Mm -hmm. I don't like it when my comics aren't where they go. When I can't. Go to the box that says Continuity Comics, pull Skate Man number one out of the box that says Continuity Comics, and say, here's my Skate Man number one, and then carefully place it back in the box that says Continuity Comics for 10 years from now when I decide I want to read that mess again. Mm -hmm. To me, as a, as a collector, you know, I don't know that my books are going to be worth any money. I don't promise that they're going to put my daughter through college. I don't expect them to be much more than an albatross that the church yells at me about when we have to move from house to house, the church comes and helps us move. Oh, okay. But, um, as you know, it, to me, the care of something that I have purchased to read is as important as the reading itself. So right. I had to choose collector. Okay. Just a couple of, of things going back to, uh, the, the previous polls. It was 70% of the people say they would rather buy a print edition of a bound trade uh, 13, or I should say 9% said that they would buy a digital issue of a single comic. Um, 8% said neither and 11% or 13% said both. When it comes to, do you bag and board or what do you do? Uh, 49% bag and board. Uh, 21% say that they're in boxes, but no protection. 14% 14 said that they bag it only. 12% say they leave them where they lay. And then 3% or 4% say that they trash or donate. Those you must so. use protection. You must use protection. Rodrigo, where do you fall in this? Oh, definitely reader. Okay. Um, and I, and I think that the the readers are the ones who would, you know, a lot of the time tend to wait for the trade, right? Because you're not in it for necessarily for the actual physical comic book for mm -hmm. completing your collection for doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. You're in it for the story. Or whatever it is that that comic book gets you, and usually the easiest way to do that is to just wait for it all to be there together, right? Shell out the money and get it, right? Okay. Um, and a lot of the time, that's what I do. Right now, there are very few series that I'm actually following, and by very few, I mean none. Mm -hmm. um, but <laughs> that would be very few. Yes, it's yeah. it's a lot less. It's, than it's most. almost the lowest number you can have. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, other than you know me actually going through my collection and breaking things, that that would be like the the only way that I could, that could get any lower. Yeah. Um, and some of the issues of X Men there in the middle, I'm I've been tempted to. They're bad. That's what I'm getting at. Some of them are bad. Um, so like Poptopia was it Poptopia? Uh, yeah, that was bad. That 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 issue. So what about they, she lays with angels? That part where they uh, they where Marrow became like a, a quill shooting monster thing. Not good because they were in space while that was happening. Also, space <laughs> pirates and the X Men. Not not a good combination. What about Star Trek and the X Men? That's the only reason why that's good is so that you could have two Dr. McCoys in one panel. <laughs> okay. Orphan Wolverine was also So funny. you're a comic book reader then. That's right. right. I myself am kind of a little bit split because I end up collecting I end up I should say I end up saving all of the comics that I that I have yes. because at some point with working with major spoilers I'm going to have to go now what issue did they adopt? Tim Drake and turn him into Tim Wayne and I can go back in and I can find that one or if I can find if I want to go back and say what was that last issue of Legends of the Dark Knight and what was it about well I remember it being a really disappointing issue I can go back and find that in that yeah. in that it was, and, and it was about 22 it's a pages long it's a collection but do I actually go out and pursue finding back issues of certain comics? And I do it for three specific, well, four. I mean, I do it for the Batman titles. So Batman and Detective Comics, I, I put together as one. And I'm back into the, I think, the mid seven or the early 70s, late 60s at this point. And the other one is The Flash. I've been going back and building a huge back issue of The Flash because mm-hmm. I think in those, those two specifically, I want to have, at some point, it won't be the Schleicher collection because i've accumulated them from different sources but i want to have a massive run of a couple of titles just mm-hmm. for my own ha 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 right. so, you know, so you can understand what jeff johns is doing with the book right exactly <laughs> that too but then i also am doing the same thing with um legion of superheroes mm-hmm. so those are about the three that i really collect collect and actually go through and and go th- and when i go to the shows and look at the the, the covers and and the the binding and look at the the pages and see if they're all doing okay rest of the stuff you know uh, they're just sitting there waiting for someone to say hey i need a reference for something mm-hmm. or waiting for my son to say hey i want to see something that has boobies in it but mom won't let me go buy playboy what do you suggest dad well let me introduce you to battle chasers or let me introduce you to witchblade my boy <laughs> let me introduce you to jenna jameson's shadow hunter actually there were not that many boobs in that there issue. really actually weren't even that many so if you myself, have an eraser and even a at that even at that it failed yes even at that it failed so matthew what is the grand total at this point well, I think what you're saying is you're less a collector than you are an accumulator. Yeah, I'm an accumulator. I should be on that. I should be on that show. What's it called? Um, those people that are just Doctor Phil go through your house and throw things. How out is that house. working there's actually, there's, out actually, there's actually a show. Hoarders is what it is mm-hmm. on. Uh, I think it's Hoarders. History Channel or something. Discovery Channel. That's probably me because you go into the comic book room and it's just hoarders. like everything's there. So. So I am a hoarder. So Matthew, what is the uh, what's the poll up to right now? Four hundred forty-six votes in the bag. A whopping eighty-three percent of the vote saying comic book reader, uh, probably because it's got Millhouse on it. <laughs> Only seventeen percent of the vote saying comic book collector. And uh, to some degree, I think there's there's an onus. There's you know a negative stigma attached to being a collector. Worst episode ever. Well, but but I, I don't know if it's necessarily that. Every time I hear collector, I always think of that that Simpsons 
the the comic book store guy when he was in that Halloween episode where he was the where he is catch, capturing Xena. Yeah, and but the results so far with so many people say, "Hey, I'm just a comic book reader. I don't really collect." Then leads to that question: Then why aren't people being more willing to accept of the digital comics? Because you have mm. all the all the issues of well, you don't have them all, but you have the potential to have them all in a little device. And you're not taking up a whole bedroom in your house with comic books and ephemera and all that other junk that goes with comic book collecting. Well, uh, here is here is my oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think it's two things. First, uh, that readers aren't completely 100% designed for comic books. Chances are, if you're in a reader, you're going to have to scroll in some way. Yeah, which mm-hmm. you don't have to do in a comic. That's one. Two, most readers are expensive and. Although people are perfectly willing to just slowly bleed out money to buy a comic book each, you know, right, right. however long. Right. They're not necessarily willing to spend that all at once. Right. For a comic book reader. I actually did a breakdown last week, I think it was, that said here. How long it would take how you. How long it would take you yeah. to actually save up the money to buy sure. an iPad, which would actually, you know, if you started saving now or if you bought now, you'd have the iPad paid off in uh, a year and a half at most. And that and, and that's and that's an intelligent way to look at it, but most people don't right. think that way. Hey, we need instant you know, it's, gratification. It's, it's that kind of it, yeah, it's that kind of thing. It's like people don't change their diets until they have a heart attack. Right, people, right, right, you know, right. like well, is that, is that big? The, the big issue right now, of course, is the fact that there's no not brand the, not all issues. that much support. Yeah, 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 there's not that many new issues out. So, Matthew, you had said you you had an analogy or something that you wanted to to share. Yeah, I think the analogy for me that explains why I'm less interested in digital comics than you breaks down to, I have a PlayStation 3, and I can bust out my controller, and I can put in Guitar Hero, and I can play Steely Dan, do it again, on my PS3 guitar. Mm -hmm. That doesn't change the fact that I still feel like I want to learn how to play an active guitar, an actual stringed instrument. That doesn't change the fact that I still want to hear Steely Dan play, Mm -hmm. do it again, right? in the, the original format, whether that's on vinyl like, cause I'm old or, you know, just on an iPod or in your car. The fact that I can go and download from iTunes a copy of Do It Again, that I can play it on my video game doesn't change the fact that the song itself is a kind of a separate entity. My big problem with comic readers and when we get digital copies from, you know, all of the kind companies that send us the digital copies, you know, that send us the review information. When I view it, I view it in a reader that right. is on my screen. And my screen is a standard 16 by 9 computer screen, whatever it is. Right. It ruins double-page spreads for me. Double-page spreads do not work on any reader that I have yet to find. Now, I have not I, played I would suggest I try Comic Book Lover because that is an excellent one. It does a really good job with double-page spreads. Meh. Here's another problem that I have, and this is something that drives me nuts. When I'm looking at it, when I want to, when I want to read the book, when I want to read it, I zoom to original size, right? Uh And it's too wide for my screen. Uh So I zoom fit to height. Right. So it says fit to height. And then some of the dialogue and the little boxes are too small to read. So then I go and I zoom fit to width so I can read it, but then I have to scroll up and down to see the whole page. The reading process of a comic book is a weird melange of reading and seeing and looking. It's not just follow the sentence across, go back, follow the sentence across, move up to the next page and over. There, There is no such thing as a double-page spread 
anywhere in any other type of industry, with the possible exception of maybe album cover art. But there's no such thing as a, as a double page spread on TV where you need to set two screens together to see the widescreen image. Well, well actually, there kind of is. It's that 16 by 9 yep. ratio. Yep. Yeah. And at some point, TV was like, okay, from here on out, we're doing everything in widescreen. And honestly, for comic book readers to really be good, solid comic book readers, that's what it's going to take. It's not mm-hmm. going to be, can they... Uh, acclimate themselves to what reading a comic is like it's going to be will they start making comics exclusively for comic book readers and you know uh, things like atomic robo for example Mm -hmm. where both where the comic was made so it could be read in a reader panel by panel right um was a not maybe i don't know about this last one but the previous one the one where they're in world war ii wasn't that done that way steven uh that was done for the digital specifically yeah Yeah. well not that i think they were experimenting but i think it was leading up to a digital right 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 so So when they're when they're actually directly trying to do that then of course it looks perfect in a comic book reader right um and that's kind of what it's going to take it's for the industry at some point the industry is going to say well now that 75 percent of the population has uploaded their consciousness into the matrix let's maybe switch to digital formats yeah i can see that i can see that I just, I just am surprised at the people's disdain for it. it's like every time I bring it up, it's just like, oh, I can't stand. Digital I, I, comics. I think, I think, well, I think it's because it's people haven't tried it or experienced it yet. Yeah. Maybe I, they haven't. Well, part of it, I think it's because you're thinking about it logically. Be- yeah, that's, yeah that's because you're true. saying, well, if most people are just reading their comics, wouldn't something that automatically delivers it to their brains be better? Right. But it's two different yeah. things. It's I like to only read my comics and. I hate e-readers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, change is, change is inherently bad, too. Yeah. I mean... No, we were talking about now that, last week on the show. Mm-hmm. Now that MP3 players are all the rage, my, you know, my great uncle has an MP3 player with his Benny Goodman music on it. Nice. But when... I remember when MP3 players came out, everybody's like, I have an iPod. Like, I could give a flying rat's patookas if you have an iPod. I don't want an iPod. I feel like there's... And don't get me wrong, this is not unique to Steven. This is not a shot at Steven or Apple users in general. But it's that Brent Sienna effect where it's kind of like, I have an iPod and you must try the iPod for it is the new iteration and how things will be done. I'm like, no, no, don't care. When Walmart has a $20 version of whatever they're selling, (laughs) when I can go to Walmart and buy a $40 iPad and read my Action Comics number one for 99 cents off of a list that is actually comprehensive, then I'm sure that I will love to have an iPad and read my comics digitally. Yeah, there's there's a whole um, other conversation we don't have time for this week where yeah. we can talk about the acceptance curve mm-hmm. and leading versus bleeding versus you know the crossing point where technology becomes affordable, um, becomes affordable where the the curve actually starts to drop or general acceptance. There's a whole big theory on that. And we can talk about that another time. But listeners, if you want to kind of cast your vote on whether you're a reader or a collector, head over to Majorspoilers.com, scroll down about midway on the right column, and you will see our little poll of the week. And Help me to we, win this one. Oh, I don't care if, if people want to be a reader or a comic book collector. Vote for Matthew. Well, there's not a Matthew choice on there is, unless that you're is talking you're about doing. the one that says the collector. But really, no matter Give which one you dark. pick, you are voting for Matthew. Apparently. <laughs> All right, everybody. We're going to be back right after Dexter 102's 61-second review on How to Train Your Dragon. 
This week's 61 second review from Dan Under goes out to Hector Busnuts. And this week's 61 second review from Dan Under is How to Train Your Dragon. So, How to Train Your Dragon in 61 seconds, starting from now. Alright, I liked it, I enjoyed it. It was fun, it was quirky, it wasn't Shrek or Ice Age, but it was fun. It was funny. There wasn't that collective laugh that normally comes with funny things. But I got the sense that the audience enjoyed it and had fun. I had a bit of a problem with the animation style. The people were too blocky. But the way they do the dragons is awesome. It's a better storyline than most preteens films are. We'll put it that way. It's also a good gateway drug to get your 6 to 10 year old cousin, little brother, whatever, into fantasy. It's good. The voice acting is good. The music can feel a little precocious. The script isn't exactly very animated, but nothing really is when it comes to children's films. But, crucially, I enjoyed it. All in all, three and a quarter slices of meatloaf. So, of course, as always, follow me on the Twitter, get on the forum, the 6 to 1 second review section on the podcasts. And, uh, yeah, until then, peace and love, everybody. All right, thank you so much, Dexter102, for that 61-second review. And listeners, you know, I had an email. Someone uh, asked, I don't know if it was an email or it was a response on, on one of the posts up on Majorspoilers.com, where uh, the person said, are you guys not reading anybody's feedback anymore? And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, it's not that we're not reading people's feedback. There are a couple of things people have to do. Number one, if they're providing feedback or they're providing a comment that they would like to hear on the show, it needs to be awesome, right? Yes. Number one. And too oftentimes, the posts and comments on on some of these stories are just like, eh, I liked it, or this is going to suck to the tenth degree of blah, blah, blah. And so, it's or, like, or well, for that okay. matter, we we get a, we actually get a lot of feedback when we post like the the trade paperbacks of people going like, no, I haven't read this, but I'm right, very exactly. interested on in it. We're probably not going <laughs> to read that comment. The other thing that I would much rather <laughs> prefer people do is to be more interactive with the show by calling in and leaving mm-hmm. a voicemail or even emailing us at podcast at majorspoilers.com, e- uh, emailing us an audio comment, because I'll be happy to play those. Yeah. Especially, uh, providing that they're good audio quality. And That's it's right. not like... <laughs> that kind of stuff isn't going to fly. Right. right? You, so you want a Whopper with cheese. Yes, exactly. So what I would prefer people to do is call the Major Spoilers hotline. Matthew. Seven eight five seven two seven nineteen thirty nine. The major spoilers line. Leave a leave a message. Leave a comment. Leave a response. Whatever. I enjoy playing those on the show. We've been mm-hmm. playing those anytime people record yeah. them, or just send Absolutely. us the, the comment. I would appreciate you doing that. Okay. In the time we have remaining, we don't have a lot of time uh, left in the show. Oh, sure we do. I want to talk about uh, Telos. And this is from Image Comics. Well, it actually bumped around from a bunch of different publishers over the years before it landed at Image. It's a title that had a little bit of a little bit of a problem getting out released regularly and, mm-hmm. and getting collected in a bunch of, of different ways. Um, Matthew, are you ready to do a quick 60-second syn- sure. synopsis of the story? Go. Are you ready? Yep, go. Uh, Telos is a story of a boy named Jarek who happens to be a thief and has a partner whose name is Tony. I mean, Kaj. 
who is a tiger. As they go through their life, they're attacked by hoppy hoppy frogs, and they end up hooking up with a pirate named Sarah, uh, some guy who is apparently a hawk, or perhaps not, and his friend who's a fox, as well as a turtle who may be a wizard, which is actually kind of cool. And they end up finding a giant thing with a thing and a thing and a thing, and it's kind of a, I don't know what you want to call it, maybe a magical amulet. And they strive to unravel the mystery behind the origins, and eventually at the end, it all turns out to be really really weird <laughs> yes it is all right so as matthew said the, uh, the reason why i picked this book is because i just i love the art and i'll say this right up front mike waringo i miss you so so much mm. because i just i don't know about you guys but i find his art fascinating just like i find amanda connor's art brilliant no matter who or what she is drawing mike waringo is the same way waringo waringo <sighs> What do you think, Matthew? Do you like the art? Oh, I agree. In fact, one of the things that I have always found one of the things that I found always very fascinating <laughs> about this I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> I knew nothing about Telus before you sent me this thing, but I knew Sarah. Because right. every time a cover would come out with Sarah in her little pirate outfit with her, you know, her hips and her... I mean, she's got a skinny waist, and, nice hips. And her glavin. Yep. I think the cover of number one where she's, like, leaning in the sunset and mm -hmm. she, you know, she makes me want to geschmoyer her in the gazangi with my gugus. And um, I didn't know her name, but I'm just like, man, Telos is the book with that super hot pirate chick. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what I knew about it. So, I mean, Waringo's work stuck with me to literally all I knew about Telos was tiger-faced guy, yeah. pirate boobies. And I'll be honest, I've had this uh, trade, my trade, for, I don't know, 10 months or so, about a year, I think, sitting in the pile. And it's like, okay, I need to get to this at some point. And never really understanding what the story was about either until I started reading it. And the other reason I picked it is because it does have this kind of fantasy vibe. You know, we have a lot of people coming in from our Critical Hit podcast who might be looking for fantasy-type uh, books to read. And Tolos certainly kind of falls into that. I would, I don't want to say that it's a Dungeons & Dragons-type story, but it is three, four adventurers, five, six adventurers put on a quest mm -hmm. to stop somebody it bad. It's, it there's a, a dungeon in it. It's got a dragon in it. It's got this whole mystical, mythical uh, aspect to it. And mm -hmm. so that's why I kind of picked it out and said, hey, maybe we could kind of get a kick out of this, not knowing what the story was about. Rodrigo, what are some initial thoughts that you have on this book? I mean, Matthew kind of explained it. I mean, it's just these adventurers that find this amulet that has a mag magic genie. There's an evil force that wants it. Uh, the boy, Jarek, is called The One. Mm -hmm. And there's something between him and Kaj that we really don't know about until the very, very end. Um, I thought it was real cool. I, I don't know. I, I think there's... Something that initially kind of I didn't like about it, and that's actually the Kaj, the tiger. I was like, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of easy to make a character cool if you just give him a tiger head. I don't know. Oh, of there's, just, there's just something about that that I was like, eh, that's too easy. Pirate boobies, tiger head. Right. Come on. Right. Give me a hippo with a trench coat and try to make that cool <laughs> and see how that works. Um, well, that's another reason why we did this this week. We're continuing although, on the anthropomorphic animal. That's right. Theme. Although I did, I do really like Mike uh, Waringo's art. Um, as I was reading through it, I started picking up all these little things in it. And I was like, that's weird. Why would, 
why would fantasy characters talk like this? Yeah, that was see at first that was my real problem with the with the series because I was like, this is not written the way you would write a fantasy book. Why That's is right. this evil character? What's his name? Malos Malik, something like that. Maloser. Why is he wearing a t-shirt? Why is he wearing? Why a is t-shirt? he wearing yes. blue jeans? That doesn't right. fit in and this that, world. And that that pretty much as soon as he appears, that tipped me off. Not exactly as to why this was going on, but what the big twist of the book was going to be. Right. And we'll, we'll save really? the twist for the book in just a little bit because, you know, I like how, you know, in the individual issues, which are obviously collected in this trade, duh, mm-hmm. but at the end of each As issue, because there was, there was so much gap between the release of these books, I like how the first couple of pages tell you exactly what happened in the previous issue. You know, like, hey, they were fighting and here's what happened and here's what's going on with this guy and now let's pick up with the story. I yeah. like that, but I kind of, you know, beyond the weird mixing of real world and fantasy world i had a a kind of an issue with how jumpy the story seemed to be at times Mm -hmm. it's like all of a sudden they were here and now they're here and i understand that you do that both in film and in books and in and radio dramas and in podcasts or whatever because you know you need to shorten things down yeah but here it just seemed almost too jarring at times it's almost like at times we don't get enough time to actually experience the characters interacting to where all of a sudden in one issue, uh, Jarek and Kaj and Sarah are kind of wary of each other. But then the very next issue, all of a sudden they're super tight. Duper best friends. We're super tight and we got to go on this quest together. Mm-hmm. Matthew, you want to make some comments on the, uh, on the writing? That actually didn't bother me because that is a common issue that I have with, Tolkien-esque Mm storylines. And it's a common problem that Dungeon Masters find in, we now have six players who want to play together. How are we going to do this? You're all in a bar, and you see a guy over there, and now you're all bestest buddies. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about how quickly Orem and Torque bonded. Right. Right. And I mean, that was a situation where it was done extremely skillfully, you know, not just kissing Rodrigo's butt. I feel like in this story, there was a lacuna there where we don't know why yeah. Kaj and Sarah and, and Davik or Derek or Jazz Jazvik, yeah, him, yeah. bonded. But then when we get to the end, the jumps in the story have a completely different meaning. And, mm-hmm. you know, the immediate bond between Jarek and Sarah makes perfect sense Right. Yeah. Once, right. once the big twist ending is twisted. So I'm wondering right. if the the storytelling itself... I didn't see that so much as a flaw in the writing as it was, again, another clue or another, you know, another tip of the hand to see what was coming at the end with the big Serling twist, you know? You you saw the twist coming or did you not see the twist coming? Oh, not in the least. In fact, that was the moment where I went, oh, holy crap. Yeah, I, where, yeah I, you had your I kind of I kind of like this part. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of into this now. That's kind of the way it was for me. All of a sudden... I think um, the tip for me was... Those who do not want the book to be spoiled, yeah, stop listening Yeah, you might want to just stop listening now. now. Well, this, this this book has been out since, I think the series ended in 2007, something like that. Mike passed away in August of 07. Yeah. And I believe the last issue came out through, like, Guerrilla Comics in 2003, maybe? Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to look at the publication history. The ongoing proceeded. Let's see. The original series lasted ten issues from '99 to 2000, starting at Image Comics and then may, may, moving on to Guerrilla Comics by that time. So it ended yeah. really quite a long time ago. So we are going to spoil it in three, two, one. So 
The big kind of reveal for me was in that dream sequence right before the final battle where it's like, something's going on. Why why is this connection going on? There's something here. And then we get this big reveal in the final, I think it's final issue or two, where all of a sudden we're out of this fantasy world and we're sitting in a hospital room where there's this father crying saying, you know, Jared, Jared, please don't die. Please come back to me. We buried your sister. And then we get the flashback story of... What happened? Jared was being bullied by this neighborhood jerkwad. Mm-hmm. His sister, Sarah, spelled differently in the book, uh, comes yep. to his defense. The two of them are supposed to drive off and, and go to grandma, grandpa's house or something. And this jerkwad uh, decides to play chicken with him and they have a head-on collision. Sarah dies. Both um, the character that's the Malu- Maluja or Malauer, Ma- Maluer, 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 Maluer character. He's in a coma, and Jarek is in a coma, and they're having yeah. a psychic connection. And yeah. the whole twist is that in order for Malasar to come back to the real world, he needs to get his spirit into Jarek's body and kill, kill Jared uh, right. in order to come back alive. And, and K- Kaj is Sarah's cat. Right. and <laughs> Which is pretty cool. You know, we see way. things, we start to real reveal things, and it's not until the final one, two, three, four, five panels or so at the end of the main series that we start to see where all of the elements in the world of Telos comes from. And yeah. then, it's, then it really kind of starts to make sense, and it's very, very... You're right, Matthew. I think at this point I was like, man, I don't know if I like this writing, and then all of a sudden, kablam! And it's like, whoa, this that, is kind of interesting. Yeah, and that that moment where... Well, actually, there are two moments that kind of slam it home for me and go, this is not what I expected. That moment where we realize, you know, oh, wait, this is going on in the kid's head. But there's also the moment where um, I think it's either Kaj or Kaj's spirit or somebody says, Telos has always been here. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting to me. But there was a- up until the up until the reveal, it is. Don't get me wrong, it's it's beautifully written and it has its moments, but it's kind of standard issue action adventure in a medieval sorcery swords and swords and sorcery vein. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there's there's the kid who's the rogue and his protector who's kind of I don't know. What would you say, Rodrigo? What is Kaj's class? Oh, definitely a fighter. Yeah. Definitely a fighter. Yeah, see. It, you you have all of these things and they're fighting and there's airships and there's you know all this stuff going on, but essentially it's kind of just hey here are these characters and now they have swords and this is what you need to know. Right. And it puts it in that, you know, that shorthand realm of Dungeons and Dragons. And then you have the moment that just kind of goes plang. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, that's once in a lifetime brilliant right there. When you go back and reread it though, there are very spelled out moments. There's this turtle, turtle wizard character that's asking Kaj saying, Hey, you know, tell me your story. And he's like, well, when I was a young cub, I was a slave and then I escaped and now I'm doing my thing. And it's like, I'm trying to find my homeland to to free all my other friends. And the turtle looks at him and goes, well, do you remember being little? And he's like, no, I really don't remember anything. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of another tip that really this world was created at this point. But there's also kind of a discussion later that, you know, like you said, Matthew, the world of Telos was here before it will continue. It may be the yeah. spirit world. And I think maybe that's what they were going to try to do with the next series. But, you know, where Ringo died and and... That was the end of that. Uh, well, there was kind of a, a start off on another series, like a prequel or a prologue to what happened. Tales of Telos. Does, does yeah. Zago hasn't said that he's never going to do it again. No, no. 
And, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, without Mike, it's going to be different. But in a way, continuing it after Mike is, who would to, to me, is kind of a nice tribute to the man. Rodrigo, what did you think about the twist? Anything you wanted to say? Oh, I thought it was, I, I definitely think it's the most important part of the book. I mean, it, okay. Um, and again, I, when I saw, when I saw that guy wearing a t-shirt and then the dragon that talks like a surfer, yeah. I was like, okay, well, I know what they're going for. And I was still surprised by what it actually literally was by the fact that, you know, Sarah was dead mm-hmm. and that one of those two kids wasn't coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, that that the 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 secret plot was to basically ultra humanize Jared, right? Um, right. and and get back to the real world in his body. But um, you know, Maliser keeps or whatever his name is, like probably like Matt. Um, that's a, that's <laughs> Mark. A weird, actually, that's a weird name for a guy, Matt. It's Mark. His name um, is Mark. Shut your face. Um. He says, Roger. you know, because I know what's going on, I have all this power, and soon I will also conquer the other world. Which, you know, kind of, it, it's not just that, you know, they keep hinting at the fact that Telos is not just the fever dreams of a dying boy. Right. It, it's an actual place, and something is actually happening there. Yeah. So, it, it, it would certainly be interest. I would definitely be interested to see where it goes from here because this is this is self-contained right this could end right here right now right right and, you know and it kind of has yeah yeah especially but, with the tales of tales, yeah. yeah but you know where would they take it from here who would, would it you someplace good or would it be it'd be universe x who would you know. want to pick up the art matthew if this series were to continue i don't know all the guys who remind me of Dizago have those weird quirks um umberto ramos is one that's, who reminds me a lot who of Dizago. Of Waringo. Waringo, rather. Yeah. Uh, that's who I was. was what about uh, Fabian Nicieza? Oh, f- Fabian. Fabian Nicieza is a writer, isn't yeah. he? Well, um, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Is remember. he? Oh, okay. I would I'm say Amanda Connor. You know, Amanda Connor, I think, could do a good job at mm, Rodrigo. Yeah. Anybody yeah. you want to, you would pick? Um, I would be afraid. See, because, again, you want. You, you want to keep that cartoony look, but like Matthew said, some of them are very specific, like. um. Chris Bacalo or mm-hmm. Bacalo, mm-hmm. you know, he has a Bacalo. very, very, very specific style. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, like, would he be able to make it Telos and make it be its own thing and not be reminiscent of, you know, his run on Generation X or, right. uh, you know, Steampunk, which is his own take mm-hmm. on crazy fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, creator own project kind of thing. Who did that? Who did the art in that first run of Runaways? Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. That. Um, I, I would. That would also be another I can one look I it up. Uh, Which one? The very first. Yeah, run? the very uh, first the Brian volume. K. Vaughn uh, volume. Yeah. Um, is it mm. is it bothersome to anybody after you read this and you read the reveal? Yes, his his real life sister who's passed is really good looking, but isn't it kind of weird that in his fever dream that his sister is this like super hot pirate winch? Well, but that's the important it, thing is that we're 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 giving this we're we're basically told. There's like this is her spirit. She right, died right, and went right, to Telos. So right. what I think what it is is that inside the the deepest part of her soul, she was a kick ass, you know, double D breasted pirate yeah. chick. Okay. I just you know, I guess if you look at it that way it makes sense, but if it was uh Jared imparting his mm-hmm. his not vision, but his memories onto these people, that that's when it turns a little bit weird. 
So well, the the fact that the hot chick was his big sister didn't bother me necessarily. I was and, and not even puzzled. I was kind of fascinated by the thought process wherein she was a very pale skinned, blue eyed redhead. Yes. In reality. Yes. And her pirate self. I initially looking at all these pictures thought her pirate self was meant to be black. Hmm. Okay. And you know, not that there. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with having a character in oh, no, in one not. reality have a different kind of thing. But no. it's it was an interesting choice for me to have her. Even if we just look at it, she's supposed to be you know dark haired and really tan with brown eyes. I, it, it 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 was one of those things for me. Why would you know? Why would her spirit and or his mind mm-hmm. choose to have her look so different? Right. In her pirate analogy. Right. Actually, um, it's. Uh, in uh, Order of the Stick, one of the characters briefly dies, one of the main characters, yeah. and he goes to heaven, and he sees he meets his mom in heaven, who is basically a 20-year-old sex pot. Version of his mom, right? Yeah, I exactly. remember that. And then she's, he's like, well, if you look like this, why does dad look like a 80-year-old man? And she's like, because ever since he was born, he's been an old, cranky yeah. old man. There you go. There you go. <laughs> This uh, Adrian Alfana, by okay. the way, did the art on the first. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the crack at that. Now, Telos Colossal Volume One is what we read here. There are actually three different volumes that you can get. You can get Volume One, which covers issues one through five; Volume Two, which covers issues six through ten; or Colossal One, which collects one through ten, which we read here. There's also supposedly a Volume Two out there. I don't know if it's been released or not released, but it collects three other stories: Maiden Voyage, The Last Heist. Uh, Suns and Moons and Tales of Telos one through through three, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so we're only looking at this initial story, the first ten issues, and Rodrigo, give us some final parting thoughts here. Um, well, I liked it briefly. I don't know if there are multiple printings. Oh of this, yeah, you wanted to talk about, yeah. but but as I'm sitting here, Telos Colossal Volume One, nice white cover, cool. Uh, cool little like postcard looking image on the cover it is disintegrating in my hands i was really the binding is falling apart both of you said before this is brand new brand new that i ordered this week so that both of you guys could have this literally the binding is craptacular and i don't think this is images fault this is really the binder's fault and i know images had problems before with with bindings falling apart my copy, I, like I said, I've, I've had for a, probably a year, maybe, something like that. It's still in great condition. I haven't had it fall apart. But both you and Matthew, mm-hmm. Disintegration City. Yep. So, so Matthew's not going to be able to resell his. <laughs> My whole, literally the whole last two chapters, as, I, as I'm opening the book, and I try to be careful when I'm reading a book, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm old school comic guy where I'm like, don't roll the spine or I'll break your face. Oh, yeah. Definitely. And, you know, I was trying to be careful and, you know, not damage it, you know, open it enough to read it. And it's just like shrack and the last two chapters fell out in my hands. Yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. So be wary if you if you get this yeah. book, it might fall apart on you. Another, go ahead with your with your final thoughts, Rodrigo. Well, another real quick thing that I wanted to touch on um, is that sometimes we don't really talk about, you know, we kind of talk about pacing, but not necessarily layout. The the layout of 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 Telos is very dynamic. The the panels aren't yes. always just rectangles. You know, yes. there's like like kind of those circles that kind of make it look like a zoom. Like you know, it's like this is happening here, and you know, you see a character's face like, oh my gosh, something's happening. You know, kind of thing. Yeah. And um, just from looking, just if you look at the pages in the book, the 
area around the panels darkens as the story oh, darkens. Oh, as the story gets darker. So yeah. by the end, you're basically looking at black, uh, yeah, at like deep purple yeah. gutters. Whereas at the very beginning, they're just your standard comic book white guy. Oh, that's a pretty cool observation. Yeah, I've seen a couple other books do that. Yeah. And I think it's um, done really well. Telos is, you know, obviously now that we spoiled it for you, you know, it might lose a little bit of its edge. But definitely, if you like that kind of art, you know, if you like that breezy, fantastic, shiny, mm-hmm. you know, brightly colored art, then you you will definitely like Telos. I can't quite recommend it because uh, unless you can find a different printing of it because yeah. it's not worth getting if, if it's, it's just going to fall apart on yeah, you. There is a hardcover out. Um, I would honestly, I'm thinking of complaining and trying to get the money back or Amazon to replace them or something. Yeah. Would you want to keep this if if we could get a better binding? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, Colorist Paul Mounts, awesome job in this book. Yes. Um, I thought it was a wonderful book. Uh, I had some problems with the story pacing and the weird combination, but the payoff at the end mm-hmm. is a perfect payoff and well worth uh, the read. And if you're into the whole fantasy genre and you like girls with big breasts and you like action and crazy adventures, then this is a book you might want to go ahead and pick up. Matthew? I... You had a lot of problems I, with this issue or with this book. I right? did. The, the Up until the point where the reveal came. It felt, and I don't, you know, I don't want to be condescending. I don't want to be snotty, but it felt kind of by the numbers. It felt like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is familiar for this reason, and this is like this, and there's the little Alibaba moment where we have the djinn in the in the amulet, and there's, you know, the little Lord of the Rings moment where we have kind of a quest, and we're going through the different realms, and it was beautifully done. I mean, the rendering was awesome. Where Ringo and who, and you know, the coloring team, whoever did the inks, awesome, wonderful work, and. Sarah's breasts were indeed spectacular. And when we got to that big hook, I was just like, okay, this is, you know, this, I like this. And then it just kind of went, and the evil kid next door is now an ultra powerful wizard. Yes. So I, I, I guess to me, maybe I'm not as big of a fantasy guy as some. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that I wouldn't recommend it. I would say it's something you, you want to check out from the library, something you want to read and see if it's something you're really interested in. It's certainly not bad. Beautifully drawn. You know, there's bits of it that are just brilliant. And like I said, that twist, that twist really makes it stand out from any of the other, you know, the whole battle chasers, yep. whatever it was, you know, record of Lodos War, whatever it was that was all coming out of that. <laughs> record of Lodos yeah. War. <laughs> That's actually... I don't know. All that stuff that <laughs> was not, coming out that was wrong, you know, yeah. he's almost not wrong. So all that stuff that came out at, at, around mm. 1999, 2000 in that same vein yep. that let's see if we can make money because Joe Majorora can't make comics on time kind of thing, you know. <laughs> Leave it to chance is a wonderful book in kind of a similar vein. That it's that's the other one that I keep always confusing with Telos was Leave mm-hmm. It to Chance. So Leave It to Chance, yeah. yeah. And Leave It to Chance, I believe, also went from Image to Gorilla. So I I may be wrong about that. All right. But To the Wiki I would say To the Wiki. I would say check it out. If you like it, certainly buy it. I agree with Rodrigo's comments. Mine is coming apart. I and just hate that. That That's... kind of binding, that kind of binding defects can really damage your enjoyment and your experience of whatever the issue is about. It's like, it's like lens flare in a movie. 
<laughs> when, when there shouldn't be lens flare, when they're in the middle of the desert and they're all going to die. And then the lens flare reminds me that it's all on camera and there's, you know, a truck with sushi and chocolate milk, 10 feet off the right. That, that kind of thing can be damaging to your experience. And yeah. having the last two chapters fall out in my lap may have damaged my enjoyment of the way Telos went. Plus, right. you know, they horked a Legionnaire's name. Yeah. All right, everybody, we're going to continue on this fantasy realm next week by Matthew's dropped the name a couple of times. We're going to take a look at Battle Chasers. Battle Chasers. Yeah, same kind of vein. It's got a lot of the same kind of elements set in a fantasy world. Got a lot There's of the a, same kind of boobs. They got a lot of the same kind of big boobies, a lot of the same kind of brightly colored art that Rodrigo mm-hmm. was talking about. It. We're going to talk about that next week on the show. Thank you for listening to this issue of the Major Spoilers Podcast. We're going to be back next time. Why? Because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you real soon. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas for future shows, or would like to sponsor a show, send an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Visit Majorspoilers at Majorspoilers.com and be sure to check out the Major Spoilers forum. You can also follow Major Spoilers on Twitter at twitter.com slash Majorspoilers and on MySpace at myspace.com slash Majorspoilers. Fat Dick's revision of Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page Would be backwards I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus as soon as the comic book store guy knew He kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such a chance? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler What a major spoiler If I'm star raving rich like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun Be in the Middle East With a king sign throwing soldier what a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What a major spoiler Whoa, 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 whoa What a major spoiler Major Spoilers Podcast Copyright 2010